Hello, and welcome to The Scott Mize Show, a podcast focused on health, diet, bodybuilding, and philosophy. I interview experts, doctors, coaches, and N equals one case studies to answer your questions about improving health, achieving your best physique, and making sustainable progress. We'll cover topics from carnivore and ketogenic diets, to bodybuilding, to life philosophy, and everything in between. Enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by Optimal Carnivore. Do you struggle to eat organ meat? Optimal Carnivore was created by carnivores for carnivores. Long-term listeners of the show will know I'm a huge fan of supplementing a carnivore or ketogenic diet with organs. Organs have bioavailable nutrients that you can't find anywhere else. Um, Not everyone finds they have to eat organs on a carnivore or ketogenic diet, but many have found benefits, including myself. And Optimal Carnivore is a great uh, supplement if you are not willing or able to cook organs, you can't stomach them, or if you're traveling, um, and it's just something that you can easily take, and it's very high quality. Uh, Their organ complex is from grass-fed animals in New Zealand. It includes nine different organs. They also have a beef liver product, a brain-nourished product, all of which I've tried and used regularly. Um, Taking six capsules is the same as eating an ounce of raw organ meat from the butcher. So super easy. And you can get 10% off your order and other special deals by going to optimalcarnivore.com slash Scott. That's optimalcarnivore.com slash Scott. And go there to help support the show and get your organ supplements. Ryan Kennedy is a functional medicine practitioner and board-certified clinical nutritionist helps people improve their lives through lifestyle and dietary changes. He works with entrepreneurs and busy professionals, utilizing efficient and targeted approaches to maximize their performance, longevity, and quality of life. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah, and I was on um, your podcast, which is the Ryan Kennedy Show, right? You you got it, man. Yeah, we had a great episode talking about things carnivore. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun. So um, folks can check that out. But I wanted to focus this on you. Um, so yeah, I'd love to start with, you know, hearing how you got to where you are today. Why do you choose to go into medicine in the first place? And, and why do you, how, how, and why did you pursue, um, natural and functional medicine? For me, it was really a pain to purpose journey, Scott. I think a lot of us can develop really a better understanding of our purpose and our mission in this life by looking at some of the hardships we've overcome, you know, throughout, throughout our journey. And so for me, dude, back in 2008, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And at the time, I didn't really know the extent of of what that entailed. I just thought, you know, it's bad luck. This is unfortunate, but surely, you know, these doctors are going to help her out. And, you know, the oncologist she's working with knows what's best. And I remember like yesterday that the oncologist telling her like, what you eat doesn't matter. Nutrition does not impact this at all. No supplements, no vitamins, no herbs are going to help you. Your only option is to do the standard of care therapies, surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, and just hope for the best. And unfortunately, in 2010, she passed away. And in large part, due to the misinformation she received, uh, not just with the treatment options, but the misinformation she received for decades leading up to that point of why she developed cancer in the first place, uh, with shitty food guide pyramid recommendations and telling people to swap out butter for margarine and having a hearty diet of tons of whole grains and a bunch of nonsense that we look back on now and just like scoff at. But at the time, like 
she was just doing her best. She didn't know any better. And this is the stuff that she and all these other Americans and people in our in our world in general were hearing. And so she did it. She applied it. And unfortunately, it led her down a path of poor health outcomes. <clears throat> and so around that time, I wasn't in the best of health either, dude. You know, I was a young guy drinking and partying like as young people tend to do. And I wasn't feeling the best. I wasn't in the best of shape or the best physical mental health. So I just had a real wake up call and it really helped me understand like, dude, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And there's a great, great quote I, I love that's, you know, someone with their health has a thousand dreams. Someone without it has just one. And this really resonated with me. And so I went down this path of figuring out how do you be healthy? How do you feel good? How do you live a long life? And, you know, looking to just one, optimize my performance and my quality of life, but two, avoid the premature death, like what happened to my mom. And more importantly, learn the different strategies and different inputs and different changes people can make to avoid that situation. Things I wish my mom knew, you know, at the time. And so I started out in more of the fitness side of things. I studied kinesiology in undergrad. I was working in physical therapy clinics and realized real quick, physical stuff is great. But if you're not dialing in your nutrition and your sleep and replenishing nutrient deficiencies and, you know, having healthy mindset and psychology and good relationships and, you know, incorporating a lot of changes to your environments and all these different facets of health, all these different pillars that all accumulate to ultimately, you know, decide our, our level of health and vitality, you know, the fitness stuff is only going to take you so far, man. And so <clears throat> I went back to school. I studied naturopathic and functional medicine in post-grad school. And that brings me to where I'm today, where I run a, a full-time practice, consult with, with patients from all walks of life all across the globe, and then have different you know courses and group programs and all sorts of other good stuff in, in that regard. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear about your mother. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes the greatest pains, the greatest um, upsets in life can cause the most growth. Um, That's right. And I think you've done a tremendous job of taking that and building it into something really meaningful. Well, I appreciate that, man. I received that. And I actually heard this advice from a mentor many years ago. And this was after I was already on this path of health and wellness that, uh, you know, as people are trying to figure out their, their passion and their purpose, which is, I think, an inherent human question that we all wonder. And I don't know if anyone fully figures it out, but we all kind of take our stab at trying to figure out our place in the world and what we want to do and how we want to spend our time. And his advice really rung true for me. He's like, just think back at one of the hardest things you've ever gone through, like really challenging time in your life. And think about who would be the person you would need in that time in your life. Like who would be the coach or mentor or the saving grace that could help guide you through that time. And when you're thinking of your purpose, like become that person for other people who are going through that same hardship, that same challenge. And I think if people frame it in that way, it can really shed a lot of light into what they may be passionate about and what they may pursue that they could find a lot of fulfillment and joy and, and bring a lot of meaning to their lives by helping people who are going through, whether that's a health crisis, whether that's relationship turbulence and divorce, whether that's you know business failure or bankruptcy. I mean, there's a lot of avenues that we all go through in this human experience that could be painful. But if you take that pain and turn it into your purpose, like you said, it's just an opportunity to have this catalyst for developing a, a greater sense of clarity, like what direction you want to go. 
yeah, that's great advice. I really like that. Um, really like thinking about that. And um, it reminds me of, I was actually listening to um, Mr. Beast, the famous YouTuber on Joe Rogan. And mm -hmm. he, at some point in the interview, he was talking about redefining your life as how can you help the most people? Um, and I thought that was really interesting, like asking yourself the question of like, how can I uniquely help the most people? Um, and so it's very similar. Um, and, and do you find like, what type of people come to you, Ryan? Um, what type of health crises are they going through? Um, are some people, you know, already very healthy and just trying to optimize? Um, what is it? What does that look like in your, your patients? It's a pretty wide scope. I'd say over half the people I work with are looking to optimize. So they're not coming to me with any debilitating issues, any major problems. They're more so entrepreneurs, business owners. And I work with a lot of real estate investors specifically who are looking to increase their energy, improve their sleep quality, enhance their libido, and just overall improve their vitality day to day, their mental and physical performance. Like how can I feel my best and you know, live as, as many years as I can and, and really maximize my health span. So that's a big chunk of people is just, you know, because the modern medical system doesn't have a lot of answers for those people. You know, you can do blood work and everything looks normal. They're not like, hey, dude, here's some things you could do for your training and your, your evening routine and what supplements you should take and how to tweak your nutrition and what to do for these different habits and routines that are going to help you up level. So, so I work with a lot of people in that, in that camp. And then I do work with uh, like the other half are people who come to me with with really challenging health ailments. Everything from stage four cancer patients to people that have terrible debilitating migraines or really, really bad gut issues where they're having loose stool 10, 15 times a day. People that are having a lot of challenges with mental health, um, you know, regarding severe depression or anxiety and really working to rebalance their gut and really re rebalance their neurotransmitters uh, from a natural perspective because either pharmaceuticals haven't helped them or pharmaceuticals have helped them to some degree, but they're looking to get off of them or pursue a natural path that's really addressing more of the root cause. Got it. Yeah, that makes makes sense. And um, what, what falls like within your scope of practice and what types of modalities do you like to use? And then like what things do you like to refer out for or, um, you know, help connect people with other other experts? Yeah. So anything that, because I do a lot of telemedicine, anything that requires like in-person stuff. So maybe it's like a chiropractic manipulation where someone's having some imbalances structurally, I'll refer out to that. Uh, or maybe it's something that someone could really benefit from, you know, whether it's acupuncture or massage therapy or, you know, some accountability with their exercise and, and getting some form corrections with a personal trainer. Those are things I always refer people to either as part of this whole holistic wellness team they add these components into the mix or maybe they pursue those because that's really what they need to focus on more so than the stuff that i do a lot of the stuff i do scott is more lifestyle medicine so really designing nutrition protocols for people doing different lab testing figuring out what's imbalanced in their bodies you know going beyond just blood testing so looking at uh one test i run a lot is called an organic acids test it's an at-home lab test that assesses for any imbalances in your microbiome, like candida or yeast overgrowth, fungal overgrowth, mold or mycotoxin exposure, bacteria overgrowth, different pathogens in the gut. And then also looks at your vitamin levels, your amino acid levels, uh, neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine. So this is all a lot of valuable data. You, you can't really get through blood work and it can give you a lot of good insights as to what 
might be imbalanced and causing someone's symptoms, even if they're mild, mild, mild. So <clears throat> some people come to me and they just feel like they have a lot of bloating and gas after meals, or they, you know, have constipation where they're only having bowel movements every two or three days, or maybe they have, uh, you know, some, some issue around focus and they get a lot of brain fog. These aren't debilitating issues. I think we can both agree probably over half of humans experience this type of stuff, you know, to some degree, but they don't want to experience it. They want to improve it. And they don't really want to throw pharmaceutical drugs at the problem. They want to get to the root cause and figure out why do I have this? Like, why do I have acid reflux? I'm tired of taking these PPIs, these drugs that suppress my acid production. I'd rather just figure out the problem, solve that and not have the acid reflux or the heartburn. So <clears throat> anything that is involved with that, you know, as far as lifestyle changes. So I'd work with a lot of Lab testing, looking at different supplementation. I like to call it targeted supplementation because I don't just throw supplements at people and say, hey, take these 15 things and you know, you'll be fine. I, I'm more of the on the camp of less is more and being very selective with what supplements we utilize and really prescribing things based on, you know, levels that come back on their on their uh, functional medicine testing that we do. And then just different lifestyle design, man. Really kind of going through a day of here are some effective morning routine practices to really upregulate your energy and your mood. Here are some things we can do in the evenings to really help you relax and decompress and, and de-stress and get better sleep quality. Here are some things we can do midday to enhance your focus and your energy and you know avoid that afternoon lull that a lot of people experience. Here's what we're going to do for your meal timing. Here's what we're going to have for breakfast or lunch or dinner. Here's what we're going to do with you know all these different like micro decisions that we make throughout the day that ultimately comprise how we feel. That's really my bread and butter. That's what I focus on with people in terms of helping them navigate that landscape and bringing an efficiency to the process. So not saying, yo, Scott, do these 45 things is like this three and a half hour morning routine, dude, you're going to feel great. And you're like, listen, Ryan, sounds, sounds fine and good, bro, but I don't have three and a half hours to spare every single morning. Like that's not going to work. So really finding things where it's like five minutes here, 10 minutes there, things that are, are going to integrate nicely into your lifestyle not overthrow your lifestyle. And that not only drives compliance, you know, having people successfully integrate the new strategies, but it also drives sustainability where it's like, dude, I'm not spending hours and hours a day on this stuff. It's like, if I can dedicate five minutes uh, to this breathwork technique or to this type of, you know, movement modality, and it's going to have outsized returns in how I feel and perform the rest of the day, that's five minutes well spent. You know, and that's something that virtually everyone can fit in, no matter how busy you are. Everyone has at least five minutes to spare day to day. Uh, and, you know, there's oftentimes people that we just need to reevaluate priorities and, you know, decrease some of the social media scrolling and Netflix and other things they might be doing to, to make time and to create space for some of these more important things. Yeah, that's, that's really uh, awesome. And I can tell you worked with and helped a lot of people because it's, uh, a very holistic and customized approach. Um, I imagine as well for, you know, if folks come to you and they end up having like certain psychiatric conditions, eating disorders, stuff like that, you probably refer out as well too. Yeah. It just depends on the person and where they're at on their journey. Um, yeah. I have worked with people with eating disorders and, you know, while I don't, I'm not a clinical psychologist and I don't claim to be, and I tell them transparently, like everyone that comes to me, Scott, I tell them, listen, dude, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't guarantee results. I can tell you what this plan might look like, what I have in mind for you, what types of changes I would expect for you to see success. And we'll see how you're doing in a month or two and then reevaluate and see if it makes sense to continue working together. 
So it's not like I'm asking people to commit to a one or two year program either. It's like, all right, let's just give this a spin. Let's start making some of these changes and see what type of effects you get. Um, but to your point, yeah, if someone's, you know, has schizophrenia or something that's much more severe that requires more in, in-depth, in-person work with, you know, a psychotherapist, certainly not my wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's tough to uh, work with those types of individuals and it is often best to help them find um, more specialized help. Um, Great. And and how do you, how do you like to work with people on the diet side? Like what types of diets have you seen to be effective? um, And and how do you go about finding that for the right person? Yeah. So there's a difference between the ideal diet and the uh, achievable diet, we'll we'll call it, where I, I can kind of formulate a perfect meal plan for someone uh, based on their nutrient deficiencies, based on kind of what they're not getting through food, based on what their body needs and their goals and all these different things. But what really counts is finding the middle ground between that ideal place and what they're actually willing to do. And and actually do not just for a few months or a few years, but like make really a lifelong change. And so it really is a conversation around what are your favorite foods? What foods do you not like? And really figuring out what customized approach is going to work for them. Uh, Similar to you, I'm a big believer in high quality animal foods as a big part of someone's nutrition plan. Uh, I've worked with many vegans. I've worked with many vegetarians that have come to me for help because they had all these symptoms. You know, their energy was shot. They had no sex drive. Their hair was falling out. And by bringing high quality animal foods back into their diet, we were able to restore their health and help them feel amazing. And so I do see that as an integral part of this process of bringing in grass-fed meats and wild-caught fish and you know, high-quality you know, pastured eggs and all these different animal foods uh, as, as a very important staple. But then what degree of plant foods and what variety of other foods and how often someone indulges on other foods all depends on the person, you know, because someone who's suffering from some autoimmune condition, it's going to have to be a lot more strict, especially on the front end, than someone who's just coming to me that says, hey, Ryan, I feel pretty damn good. I don't have any health problems, but I want to lose 10 pounds and uh, just get a little more ripped up or I want to have you know, better sleep quality. Well, yeah, we're going to clean up their diet, but they don't have to be nearly as strict as someone that has a chronic condition that we're looking to reverse. So <clears throat> it does depend, but definitely animal foods for, uh, are, are a big part of that. And then also bringing in uh, easy to digest plant foods. So I find a lot of my patients don't, like I'll test for this, uh, via the organic acids test, but see if they can metabolize, you know, oxalates, see if they have food sensitivities, kind of do some further testing to see maybe we need to eliminate certain classes of these plant foods. Uh, so I do like fruits, especially low sugar fruits. And then I'm not a big keto guy. Uh, I mostly, again, I have a few patients I work with that a keto diet works really well for them, for their situation. But for most of my patients, I, li- I do like to, to re- reload on carbs with dinner. And just get, stick to a lower carb template with, uh, you know, during the day to keep their blood sugar and energy stable, and then bring in low inflammatory carbs like root vegetables and fruits and some white rice uh, with their dinners that tends to enhance their hormone profile, improve their thyroid function, improve their sleep quality. So I used to be rewinding, you know, five, six years ago before keto was the latest, greatest thing. I was actually a big proponent of like, let's keep starches and sugars as low as we possibly can and stick to a much more like kind of paleo template where we're not doing much carb wise, except for maybe a little bit of berries here and there. And over the years in practice, I just saw firsthand, like people do better 
especially long-term and especially women when you have some healthy carbs in there. So um, it's become a lot less dogmatic in that approach. Like I don't have one diet. I would say if a mainstream diet framework that is in line with my philosophies would be like a whole 30 where it's like, let's eat some whole foods. Let's try and minimize the nonsense and all the processed crap. Uh, and, you know, from there kind of making micro tweaks based on the person, based on what they like, based on what they don't like and really customizing an approach for them. And then because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, it comes down to efficiency. They don't have the, they don't uh, out, want to allocate their valuable time towards buying groceries, cooking, cleaning up. That whole process is not a good return on investment for their time. So I work with them on outsourcing that, whether that's, you know, consulting with their personal chef or their housekeeper that does some of their cooking or their spouse or outsourcing that to a meal prep service or really just creating things that they could prep in five or 10 minutes that take very little time. Um, those are really important strategies for people that do work long hours and, and do, you know, very well for themselves financially. We're spending two or three hours a day on, on all this process to eat is not advantageous for them. They're much better off spending that time in their business and, and in their careers and with their families and they don't enjoy it, you know, which I wrote a cookbook. I love to cook. So it's kind of a good use of my time because I enjoy the process. I find it to be very therapeutic in a lot of ways. Other people don't feel that same way. So it's also about finding those nuances, Scott, and just figuring out like, dude, what's going to work for you? And what do we need to change that's going to really make a meaningful difference with what you're doing and, and help you achieve your goals while also being sustainable to, you know, where you enjoy the meals and it's not sucking up all your time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. It's a great approach. Um, I think you have to meet people. I think the pillar of any diet is adherence. You know, find something people can adhere to and it's sustainable for them. Um, That's right. Before thinking about anything else. Um, and how do you how do you work with um, folks on the hormone side? Like, how do you um, help people understand the importance of uh, testosterone and other healthy hormones? And what strategies do you use to um, help support that? Hormones are one of the most fundamental chemicals in our bodies that determine how we feel. And for guys that have low testosterone, losing body fat, building muscle, improving their health and performance, it, it's exponentially more difficult, if not impossible, to really see amazing results if you have really low testosterone. Because not only is it physiologically more difficult to put on muscle and burn fat, but you don't have the energy, the motivation, the drive to go out and work out to make healthy choices, to have these discipline in your decision-making. So uh, it's, it's, it's critical, dude. And, and for women, same kind of thing. You know, if your hormones are out of whack, you're going to have all sorts of cravings. You're going to have all sorts of mood, mood swings. It's going to make it an uphill battle to achieve your goals. So I do hormone testing. Um, I like blood and I also like saliva. So depending on the person, I might have it as part of their, you know, blood panel, which I do for most of my patients. So I'll, you know, send them to a local quest and we'll do a blood draw and see where their free testosterone is at for guys is probably the single most important thing, but also looking at DHEA and also looking at other hormones that kind of make up the full picture. Uh, so we know exactly what's missing and what we need to utilize for that. And then for women looking at, you know, estradiol, progesterone, testosterone is also important for women, especially for libido and other things. Uh, so really testing their levels to get an idea of their baseline. And then from there, depending on their age, depending on their goals, depending on how low it is or what, how imbalanced they are. I always start with lifestyle and uh, natural supplementation 
So for guys with testosterone, I'll talk through the most important lifestyle variables that are going to raise up their testosterone, things like optimizing your sleep, resistance training, sensible sun exposure, getting in the sauna, doing these things that are going to drive that improvement from a lifestyle perspective. And then of course their nutrition. And then from a supplement perspective, making sure they're not deficient in many of the key nutrients our bodies need to synthesize testosterone. So making sure they have enough vitamin D3 and magnesium and boron and making sure they're not deficient in these things, bringing in some creatine monohydrate. And some of these supplements that have broad uh, spectrum benefits, they're going to have impacts to your immune system and all other systems in the body. But specifically for testosterone and for hormones, you don't have enough of these guys on board. You don't have the raw materials the body needs to synthesize hormones. So that's some low-hanging fruit that we're going to see great benefits from. And then one level further, utilizing certain herbs uh, like Tongat Ili, I really like certain adaptogens, uh, other things that can really help move the needle in that regard uh, for men as far as raising up their testosterone. Now, I'm not against hormone replacement therapy. So actually supplementing with actual testosterone. There are some other pharmaceuticals that people utilize in this regard, like uh, clomiphene uh, or other things that can help you know, increase testosterone pharm pharmacologically. I've seen benefits with these things and not against them. My philosophy is let's always start with the low-hanging fruit, start with the natural stuff, see what degree of improvement we can get, and then save those other more long-term commitments when it comes to the pharmaceutical stuff as a last resort. And then for women, you know, same kind of process, really focusing on lifestyle. A lot of women uh, try and do the same things as guys are taught to do as far as following the same protocols day in and day out, but their bodies operate on a completely different hormonal cycle where they have a 28 day cycle. And during these four different stages of their 28 day menstrual cycle, their body has different demands and different needs. So if you're doing the same exercise as a woman all month long, you're eating the same types of foods, you're eating the same way, it's actually going to be a, a detriment to their health. They need to really work within their cycle and understand their needs for carbohydrates and their needs for protein and their needs for certain exercise versus more restorative stuff changes quite dramatically during these different phases, you know, between the menstrual phase versus the luteal phase, the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, you have these different phases. And if you're not really dialing things in appropriately based on that woman's cycle, that 28 day rhythm, uh, it's hard to get your hormone balance really in line. So I always start there with women and similar thing, lifestyle and nutrition first. And then from there, looking at certain herbs and certain things that can help support their estrogen or support their progesterone, you know, depending on what's going on. Um, and I just find that's to be one of the more powerful interventions someone can make, Scott, just in terms of having someone feel so much better and having them lose so much more weight by applying the same amount of exercise, a very similar nutritional approach, you know, versus, you know, in terms of calories, but because their hormones are optimized, their body, their, their metabolic health, their overall vitality is exponentially improved. So it makes the process far, far easier. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And I think this is one of the places where conventional medicine fails a lot of times is they don't think about improving your hormone profile. Like, you know, the classic example is like a middle-aged or older postmenopausal woman who's having osteoporosis and they just tell her to take some calcium supplements and like get more exercise or like, you know, that's not going to make any difference if their hormones are completely tanked. 
You know, it's so essential for bone mineral density and strength. And um, yeah, you, you nailed it. Yeah. And the screwed up thing then is they'll give them these recommendations. Like you just need to work harder. You need to exercise more. And saying that to a woman that's has these hormone imbalances of basically saying you're not trying hard enough is so backwards. And it really is discouraging for the patient who's hearing this advice where they're like, dude, I'm giving it everything I got. Like I'm doing my best here and I'm not seeing the results, which is also discouraging. Uh, and I don't have the energy to go out and do the shit that you're telling me to do. So it's, it's, it's certainly uh, counterproductive in a lot of scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Um, and how, how do you, um, talking about, uh, women, especially, and, you know, you're so focused on like this holistic performance, health, longevity. How do you think about, um, the importance of muscle for longevity? Muscle is our body's metabolic currency. So it's absolutely essential for maintaining good metabolic health. You know, the more muscle you have, the more calories you burn at rest, the more calories you burn when you're exercising, the more calories you burn when you're sleeping. So you just have a higher burn rate. Which I don't know about you, Scott. I really enjoy eating delicious food. And having more muscle enables you to enjoy more delicious food without clogging up your system and gaining weight. So that's a beautiful thing. The other thing people associate muscle with is vanity metrics, dude. Like we think of it as bodybuilders going up on stage, flexing, you know, as a way to, you know, basically attract, attract the other sex and it's so much more than that. It truly is the organ of longevity. You know, it's the, one of the top things that's correlated with how well you're going to age and decreasing your risk of cardiovascular disease, decreasing your risk of cancer, decreasing your risk of falls, which is a huge uh, culprit for um, mortality in elderly populations. It's just falling and breaking a hip or breaking your femur. The percentages are staggering in terms of how much that increases your likelihood of an early death. And so muscles is critical. And it's a lot harder to build new muscle as we get older. So the sooner you can start this, the better. It doesn't mean you can't build muscle if you're starting in your 60s or your 70s. It's still an amazing thing to start resistance training. No matter how old you are or where you're at today, get after it. But I encourage young people especially to prioritize this because it's easier to maintain muscle as we get older than it is to build new muscle. And I think it's one of the most critical factors to mental health. We release these signaling molecules and these endorphins when we contract our muscles. And this could be from obviously resistance training, like lifting weights, but also from any type of exercise, even something as simple as going for a walk. And these signaling molecules are actually very, very integral to our mental health and ensuring that we don't feel depressed and that we can overcome a lot of mental health challenges people suffer from, which I think is a bigger epidemic than you know the thing that's getting all depressed these days is people that are suffering from depression and anxiety, you know, it's overwhelmingly common. And so, uh, it's, it's crucial, dude. I encourage everyone to build some muscle. It's not rocket science, get out, do some sort of resistance training three, four days a week. I always teach people to start slow. I developed this style of training. I call, uh, my MED workouts stands for minimum effective dose. And they're 10 to 12 minute workouts you can do at home. You don't even have to go to the gym. And it's unbelievably effective and exponentially better than doing nothing. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to stay in here and argue with someone that it's better than doing 30 or 40 minutes. But what you need to do is lower that barrier of entry. If you're taking someone that hasn't been training for years and years, hates the gym, doesn't have a lot of extra time, they have a family, they have a full-time job, they have all these obligations, and you're going to tell that person to go drive to the gym, an environment they hate, 
work out, which they probably don't enjoy working out for 30, 40, 50 minutes, and then drive home and repeat that three or four times a week, the compliance is going to be horrendous, dude. It's like you're, you're setting them up for failure with that recommendation. So I like to tell people like, start slow, start with these quick, easy, efficient workouts that are going to get you a great momentum boost. They're going to get you great results. And honestly, dude, I've done this style of training pretty much exclusively for uh, over a year and gains muscle. So it's not like it's ineffective. It's not like it doesn't do anything for you. It's actually a really effective workout in and of itself. And then if you want to add more volume, bump up the intensity, increase the duration, you absolutely can, but I like to keep it short and sweet so that that barrier of entry is low enough that people can actually do it and stick to it. And by doing it at home, you're just saving all that transit time of driving to and from the gym. Very few people like the gym. Like there is a percentage of our population, the gym rats that love getting in there and push around heavy weights in that environment. But most people don't, man. They, they feel intimidated. They don't enjoy, you know, I, I personally don't enjoy it just because of the uh, smells from all the outgassing in there, the artificial junk lights, all the other people hogging up the equipment, sweating all over everything. Uh, it's not my forte. So I, I've had a home gym for years and years and years. But even if you don't have the resources or space to build out a full home gym, you could spend a couple hundred bucks and get a suspension trainer, get some adjustable dumbbells, get a stability ball, and dude, you're going to be off to the races. That's enough for some really solid workouts and plenty, like all you need for a majority of the population who is not trying to be a competitive athlete. They're not trying to break any PRs in the gym. They're just trying to be healthy and feel good. And so that's a big component to this is just resistance training uh, three to four days a week and eating, eating protein. Like it's, it's not rocket science. And most people know this, like lift heavy stuff, eat decently with your nutrition and you will gain muscle. And by optimizing the hormones, your muscle gains are going to be a lot faster and a lot easier, um, especially for men, but also for women. And so, dude, it's just, it's imperative. Uh, it's absolutely one of the biggest things people can do that want to just live a long, healthy life and feel good is build some freaking muscle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Dr. Gabriel Lyon talks about it as the organ of longevity, which I think is so true. Mm -hmm. um, it really supports you in, in times of disease. Too, totally. Critical. Um, and, and your, your MED workouts, it sounds very similar to Ted Naiman's, uh, daily workouts, uh, like his micro workouts where he encourages people to do like one, like basically push-ups, chin-ups and squats once a day. Yeah. Um, Which is great. I will say most people, like, I, I, I'm sure your listeners are an exclusion to the norm, but <laughs> over half of people can't do pull-ups or chin-ups. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I get the same concept applies. And for the MED workouts I designed, it's a push-pull, like a two-day split where you're working all your push muscles one day. So chest, quads and glutes, triceps, shoulders, calves. And then the next day you're working all your pull muscles. So back, hamstrings, biceps, rear delt, traps. And you're just doing one single set to, to fatigue of each of these body parts. And you're keeping the rep range like between 10 and 20 reps, depending on if it's male versus female. And you know, where you're at with your fitness level. And you're just going slow, slow range of motion, really focusing on that slow eccentric. So elongating the time of that range of motion and just basically repping it out. So you can't do any more. And then you move on to the next exercise. And I really encourage people to incorporate, uh, to, to stretch the muscle you just worked immediately after that set, not at the end of the workout, like right after you did, let's say your, your chest press or your push-ups you immediately stretch your chest 
And this is a really powerful strategy to incorporate during your rest periods because it's tapping into uh, what's called hyperplasia. So there's two main ways to grow muscle. You have hypertrophy, which is the growth of the muscle fibers themselves, making those fibers just bigger. And that's a great way to grow muscle, great, great way to grow strength. The other way we grow muscle is called hyperplasia, which is increasing the volume and number of fibers, the density of fibers in the muscle group. And one of the great ways to enhance hyperplasia is to increase the interstitial space. And you do that by stretching. And so right after you finish your set, immediately stretch that muscle group, elongate those fibers, create more of that space, which will allow for more fiber recruitment and is actually a fantastic strategy for building more muscle. And then you have the added benefits of improving your flexibility, your mobility, your recovery, enhancing your overall functionality uh, of the joints and of the muscle group. And it just serves as a really nice kind of active rest period where you do your set, you stretch, you know, each side for 30 seconds, 40 seconds. That allows for that minute, minute and a half of rest period. Move on to the next exercise. You do your lunges, you stretch out your quads. Again, 30 seconds, 40 seconds each leg. Move on to your triceps. You wrap it out on some overhead tricep extensions, stretch it out and so on and so forth. And it creates this workout that's very well balanced. You get the exercise and the stretching all intertwined in that same 10 to 12 minute period. It's mentally really easy because as you're repping it out and you're doing your squats and you're like, damn, this sucks. I hate squats. My yeah. ass burns, my legs burn, uh, my knees hurt. But you know, hey, this is one and done, dude. After yeah. I finish this set, like I'm moving on. I'm done with legs for the day. That's a very empowering feeling mentally. Yeah. And when you adopt that psychology, it makes the workout so much easier and so much more effortless, even though you're really pushing it and you're working hard during this yeah. period of time. It's just like when it's one and done and it's not a lot of time commitment and you don't have the daunting feeling of like, man, I got a second, third and fourth set after this and yeah. I'm on set one and it already sucks and I already want to go home and stop doing this. Yeah. Uh, that's a dis really discouraging feeling, dude. So uh, yeah. these MED workouts, I've had amazing success uh, with with a lot of people I work with. And I actually have something I can direct your listeners to. I'll give you the link. I don't know off the top of my head, but I publish these MED workouts for free on my website. Oh, cool. Um, so I'd be happy to steer people yeah, like to that. those. Yeah, to those. Um, it has the workouts themselves. It has a little PDF of some home workout equipment you could pick up on Amazon. Like I said, not going to break the bank. You could spend under a hundred bucks and get some good essentials. And cool. then it also has like a tutorial video of how to do everything. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it sounds like an extremely intelligent approach and uh, exactly the type of thing I would advocate and kind of the opposite of what a lot of people are doing in the gym too. Uh, you know, a lot of people are taking a weight that's way too heavy. They're not controlling it at all. They're not taking it through a full range of motion. Um, and they're, they're both wasting a lot of time and potentially injuring themselves. Um, yep. So yeah, it sounds like you've really focused on the essentials, which I like. Um, and dude, even for, for someone advanced like yourself uh, or for anyone out there that does like to train, I still encourage mixing this in on days when you do want to take it easy or if you're traveling yeah. or on days like maybe you don't feel like working out today, you can still do an MED workout and get something in. Um, so even if you're not exclusively doing this style of training, I think it's a great part of a greater training plan that you can mix in one or two days a week just when you want to take it a little easier. Maybe you got to, crazy, you know, day ahead of you with your work schedule. And you're like, ah, I don't really have time for my usual 30 or 40 minute workout. You could still do this. You could still reap a lot of those same benefits. And then the next day go and do your CrossFit or do your, you know, more intense powerlifting or whatever, you know, you're into. Yeah. 
yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's a great approach um, for for that as well. For for days when you don't have as much time, periods in your life when you have higher stress, things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's a great option. Um, great. And Ryan, what other practices do you like to um, employ yourself or with your with your clients? You know, outside of exercise and nutrition, you mentioned like working on the daily planner. What are some other things like? maybe sunlight exposure, things like that. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate of sun exposure. I mean, at the end of the day, man, we're solar powered animals. So the more sun you can get, the better to an extent. I, I call it sensible sun exposure because it's not very sensible to go out on like a Saturday and lay out in the sun for like four hours when you're like pasty white and get burnt to a crisp. Because, you know, burns are bad for our skin, whether it's coming from the sun, a stovetop, hot water, like you don't want to excessively burn your skin because it will create damage to your skin. But by going out for 10 or 20 minutes um, with as min minimal clothing on, so really thinking of your body like a solar panel, soaking up as much of that near-infrared light as you can, it is one of the most underrated healing strategies out there for so many reasons. Like most people think of vitamin D and immune system, which is it's great for, but it's also great for your energy. It's one of the best ways to enhance your mitochondria. It's great for your sleep quality and realigning your circadian rhythm. It's fantastic for your overall hormone production. Like I mentioned how it can help with testosterone. Well, it can also help balance hormones for women as well. It can help with so many things, dude, your mental health, like it's, it's massively beneficial for your serotonin and dopamine levels to increase your feelings of well-being and, and really quell some, you know, symptoms of depression or anxiety. So I'm a huge fan of anything that's free like that, where you can just get harness these healing powers from nature. You don't have to go buy anything. You don't have to do anything other than lay out in the sun, which is unbelievably enjoyable. Uh, and you can go for a walk. You can, you know, be on a phone call. You can stack some of these habits together, which I'm a big fan of because a lot of people are busy and I get it, dude. I run, you know, a full-time business and I have actually two, two companies I run. And so I don't expect people to just lay out and twiddle their thumbs, but you can do the same thing you're going to do inside, outside. If you're on a call, you know, maybe answering some emails on your phone, reading a book, whatever it is. So I'm a big fan of that. Getting some morning sun when it's at a low solar angle is great in the, you know, upon waking. And what I'm referring to is more around midday, more around solar noon, getting out there, soaking up the sun. Again, you don't want to overdo it. For most people, between 10 and 20 minutes is the sweet spot. And it depends on your proximity to the equator, what time of year it is, you know, and, and at the time of this recording, like it's the tail end of winter, a lot of people are like, yeah, this sounds great, Ryan, but there's like four feet of snow outside, bro. Like I'm not going to go lay out in the sun uh, without my shirt on. So really there's a couple of ways you can work around that. And that's where some of these biohacking gadgets and gear can come in is when you're just trying to do a little better living through science, when getting it from nature isn't exactly feasible. If you live on the East coast or in Canada and it's January, like good luck, dude. So that's where some of them can come into play, but man, I'm a huge fan of that. That's one of my top recommendations is just to soak in, soak in some good sunlight. And uh, when it comes to sunscreen, it blocks most of these benefits I'm referring to. So there's two types of sunscreen, Scott. you got chemical sunscreen and mineral sunscreen. The chemical stuff should never be used by anyone at any time. It's horrible for your body. It's horrible for the environment. It just should be outlawed. Mineral sunscreen, stuff that's like a zinc oxide base, um, you could use if you need to, if you're going to be out for long periods of time. I still wouldn't use it if you're going to be going out for 10 or 15 minutes because it is going to still block your body's ability to synthesize vitamin D. But for example, I'm an avid surfer. If I'm going to go surfing for two or three hours 
and I can't wear a hat while I'm surfing, I'll put some zinc oxide on my face to prevent, you know, too much exposure to those, you know, UVB and UVA rays if I'm going to be out there for hours. Same thing if you're going on like a hike. Now, most scenarios, like the hike example, I would just go out for as long as my skin can tolerate. For me, is usually 30 to 60 minutes because I spend a lot of time in the sun and get a lot of sensible sun exposure. And then I'll put on a hat. I'll put on a long sleeve shirt and I won't get exposed to the sun after that period of time. Rather than what most people do, which is just spray all this chemical sunscreen on them and then think they're like immune to the radiation from the sun and go out for like five hours. And while they may not get visibly, uh, visually burned, it is still creating uh, damage to your DNA and it is still creating some oxidative stress. Uh, and then the chemicals just compound that, if anything. So it's not the best strategy for people. Um, but yeah, that's that's a big one, dude. Uh, lots of other things. I'm a big proponent of breath work. So everything from like energizing uh, breath work, there's a dopamine activation technique I've developed that's four or five minute practice that just makes you feel like a million bucks. It's absolutely stellar. And then just learning how to use your breath to regulate your nervous system throughout the day, focusing on nasal breathing. I had James Nestor on my podcast. He wrote the book Breath and talks a lot about this and the benefits of slow, deep breathing. And just, I think it's such a powerful tool to the human operating system that most people are never taught about. And it's amazing how just even a handful of deep breaths can lower stress, lower anxiety, decrease your blood pressure, decrease your resting heart rate. So learning how to utilize your breath to your advantage both to stimulate your nervous system and to relax your nervous system is a huge, huge thing. I, I teach a lot of my patients. Um, and I mean, dude, there's so many things we could rattle off. I don't know if you want to go down any specific rabbit holes with the, with the habits and, and such, but the, I would say breath work and sun, sun exposure to, to the top. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are, those are critical. Um, even, even if you already have a mindfulness practice, breath work can be super helpful. Um, and those two things kind of go hand in hand. Um, so I think those are great. Um, well, this has been fantastic, Ryan. Thank you for coming on. Um, it's great to get to know you better and learn more about your practice and how you help people. Um, and I think you've offered a ton of value here today. Um, where can folks find you if they want to get in touch um, or want to follow along with you? My website's ryankennedyhealth.com. Uh, and you can find me on you know, YouTube, uh, as Scott mentioned, uh, I have a podcast as well, The Ryan Kennedy Show, where I interview people in the health and wellness space. Scott was on there a couple months ago talking about carnivore and bringing a variety of different experts in different arenas. And I also, it's, it's the reason it's my name and not health specific is because I'm very interested in a lot of other topics uh, regarding life optimization. So I also bring on other experts that talk about relationships and talk about investing and talk about, you know, business startups and how to acquire new businesses and entrepreneurship and, you know, all these different facets of our lives that all contribute to our health, but also are all very important to focus on and improve upon. And so uh, there's a variety of topics uh, that, that I dive into, mindsets and all sorts of other good things in the personal development space on, on the podcast. So I, I encourage people to listen in there. That's where I put out my favorite content. Uh, I am on Instagram and other places, but the podcast is, you know, not censored and not, uh, you don't have to worry about what you say on podcasts, which is yeah. nice. So yeah. I, I've been putting out a lot more stuff there versus, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Ryan C. Kennedy and, you know, other social media places, but cool podcast and email newsletter are my jam. So you can just say nice. what needs to be said and not worry about getting your account shut down. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll have uh, links to all of that in the show notes. Um, and thanks again so much for the time, Ryan. It's been a pleasure and uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Appreciate you, Scott. Thank you for listening to the show. You can find The Scott My Show on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Please leave a comment, like, review, or share the podcast with your friends or followers. It helps more people find the show.